Welcome to a basketball edition of the Campus Rush podcast. I'm your host on the West Coast, Lindsay Schnell. My host on the East Coast in the great state of Florida, which is sending a few teams to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, they're all getting to play in Orlando. I know, is Andy Staples, and you will you will be there, Andy. So we are the Campus Rush slash Tourney Talk podcast on this Selection Sunday. Happy Selection Sunday, by the way. I, I may be a my football favorite guy. holiday. I may be a football guy, but this is my favorite week of the sports year. That's a solid, solid choice. Um, Andy, okay, so we've got a bracket. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have people complaining about what teams got in. There's been a few people who have pushed back on some seeds. It was a soft bubble. I, I, I remember waking up this morning and seeing that Joe Lenardi had like a last two out. He couldn't even muster a last four out. So yeah, no, <laughs> nobody was getting too upset. And, you know, I think when Rhode Island won its conference tournament, we were just like, all right, it's all good. Yep. Okay, well, you looked at the bracket. I looked at the bracket. Let's just get to work here. Who's going to the Final Four? <laughs> it's a good question. It's right out of the box, you put me on the spot. Um, so I am very interested in Duke being a number two seed. And we can discuss this uh, as we get on with the show. But what they did in that conference tournament, I think... So impressive. I, feel I mean, like four maybe games they should have been one. And the fact that they're in Villanova's region tells us that they weren't even the top two seed. Because the top two seed is protected from being in the number one overall seed's region. So right. I'm waiting. As we're recording this, the, the NCAA has yet to release the true seed list. So I'm curious as to who Duke bumped into on that true seed list so that they could not get compared head-to-head with North Carolina because everybody says, oh, well, they, they beat North Carolina two two times and lost to them once. You know, what they did in the ACC tournament should have vaulted them over North Carolina and they should have flip-flopped. But the way the seeding process works is they figure out what the seeds are, basically, when they get in there on Wednesday. And mm-hmm. Duke was a four. Mm-hmm. And they used what do they call the scrubbing process to decide whether they need to move teams up or down as the, the week goes on. And Duke moved up to a two. The scrubbing process is they, they take two teams that are next to each other in the true seed line or the true seed you know ranking and put them head to head. And Mark Hollis told CBS that Duke got stopped in the scrubbing process. I'm assuming by Arizona. Yeah, so Arizona-Oregon was intriguing last night because the Ducks lost one of their best players, Chris Boucher. Oh, who, by the way, was on the cover of Sports Illustrated way back in November. So yeah. the cover jinx is real and alive. Sorry, Chris. <clears throat> but but well, had the Ducks won, there was thought that they might be right. able to jump Gonzaga in the West. So I think that, you know, changed some stuff. But all that being said, are you taking Duke to the Final Four then? I'll take Duke out of the East. And, and I actually think that East region is the, mon- the one most ripe for some chaos because – the because win- it's the most stacked. <laughs> the winner of Wisconsin-Virginia Tech against Villanova, that's a dangerous game for, for Villanova. Because Vill- Villanova, you know, they're, they're the type of team that can win the national title or go out in the second round. Right. Because they're, they're not, they're not, su- not going to overwhelm you with athleticism. But they weren't that team last year, and they ended up winning the national title. So 
that's why I, I worry about them in that matchup. But this thing could completely descend into chaos because if you look at the the 13-4 and the 12-5 there, you've got – look, East Tennessee State can beat Florida. East Tennessee State is long. Yeah. Florida has not much post presence because of injuries. Um, and then you've got UNC Wilmington against Virginia. Well, we know how Virginia what likes to play. What are my walk-ons? That's right. We know, how, yeah, we know how Virginia likes to play. UNC Wilmington averages 85 points a game. Yeah. If somehow UNC Wilmington can dictate tempo, Virginia is not going to be able to make enough shots to, to keep up in that game. Uh, and that's the thing that our colleague Seth Davis talks about a lot, that people put so much emphasis on defense, and obviously it's huge to winning the tournament, but you have to be able to score, especially the longer you get into the tournament, you get tired, you mentally have to be able to be tough enough to bend your knees on your shot, yep. make the open layups. Like You have to be able to put points on the board. Well, and Virginia hasn't all year had that, that person who can just make a clutch shot with three seconds to go on the shot clock. Uh, they got better when uh, Tony Bennett put Kyle Guy in the lineup, and that gave them a little more scoring punch, but at the cost of some defense. You know, it's not exa- – it was a, kind of a, you know, kind of a bargain that, that Tony Bennett had to make with himself of I'm going to sacrifice some defense because I don't have anybody on the floor who can make shots – so Guy is a freshman. He was a McDonald's All-American. He can make shots, he and his, uh, his man bun, but <laughs> he's not the caliber of defender that his teammates are. So that's the, that's the issue with Virginia. They, they are not what Tony Bennett would, would call his ideal team and playing a team that, that scores 85 points a game, probably not who you want to see in a 12-5 matchup. So that, that's the one. So I'll ta- I'm going to take Duke out of that region because I, I just feel like it's a – it's ripe for chaos. Um, let me ask, wait, let me ask you a question about that regarding Duke. How much stock do you put into conference tournament momentum? Well, it's interesting because it, I'm, I'm actually writing about this for, for Monday. And I'm doing the impo- attempting the impossible. I'm trying to make you feel sorry for Duke. Because I, I think what they did should have gotten them a one seed. And I think the committee acted more like the football committee does where it is your overall resume. The last four months are far more important than the last five days. And I understand that from a football standpoint, because the teams are so much bigger um, games usually tend to play out kind of how they're supposed to, but basketball is a different animal. You're going into a tournament where you have to mow down a bunch of really good opponents with very little rest time in a single elimination format. Well, look at what Duke just did. They didn't benefit from any sort of fluky upset in the ACC tournament. Okay, right. The worst no. team they played was Clemson, which was started the week a bubble team. Um, then they beat Louisville, Notre Dame, North Carolina. Not in that order. Sorry about. That. Sorry, I got the order off. But three top twenty-five wins in a row. That's what they're going to be asked to do. So for me, like uh, I used to put a lot of stock in conference tournament momentum when I was filling out my bracket. What I put more stock in now 
in college basketball all season long is the coaches. Yeah. Like bet on coaches who have been there before, who have taken teams. I don't think you necessarily have to have won a title, but who have that experience. They know what how you have to change practice toward the end of the year when you get into the tournament. They are great at scouting teams. And so when I watched the ACC tournament, I was not that surprised with Duke because they are coached by one of the best coaches in America all, and in college basketball. I remember he beat, he beat Mike Bray, Rick Pitino, and Roy Williams. So, you know, the, the, the ones he beat weren't slouches either. So Exactly. Yeah. I, I agree. But so I think that betting on Duke to come out of that region now, I'm going to take Villanova because I, do, I also put a lot of stock in have you been there before? Do you understand what it takes not just to to get there but to win? This is why when we were talking about football, I picked Clemson to win the title, I guess it was last preseason, and, and then they did there. win the title because they had been there because then they understood what it was going to take. So that will be really impressive. Okay, let's let's move regions. The Midwest, Kansas, what do you think? Kansas is the one. Louisville's the two. Oregon's the three. Oregon slipped down on that seed line. I think that's both a combination of losing the Pac-12 final to Arizona Saturday night, but also, like we said, with that injury to Chris Boucher. Here's what I think. Yeah. <laughs> I had been waiting for Kansas to lose a game. Yep. <laughs> they were ripe for a loss. Yep. And then when I watched them lose in the Big 12 tournament, I said, well, now they're probably going to win the national championship. It, it, yeah. Because they got it out of the way. That's the thing. My, my passionate argument about Duke being a one seed, you can blow it out of the water with any number of teams that lost the first day of their con- first game in their conference tournament and then went on to win the national title. And Kansas is a great example of that this year. Now, uh, one of the questions I was going to ask you was which region do you feel like the number one has the easiest path? I think this is it. I think yeah. Kansas has. Now, I don't like the potential. Uh, Sweet 16 matchup with with Purdue and Biggie Swanigan, but you look at this. This is a manageable bracket because of or, because of the Boucher injury. If if it's a full strength Oregon in this in this region, it's a different I think, story. Yeah, I think but Kansas also, has a rougher road. They're going to be playing in Kansas City. They're basically going to be playing at home. That's they were a playing huge in Kansas advantage. City against Iowa State. Well, okay, but <laughs> they're going to be even more determined to to fix that. Um, yeah, I would say I, I think Kansas just because in the South, Kentucky being a two. I'm sorry, TCU. Get, why, why did I say I, they were playing against Kansas City against TCU when they lost? Oh, no, they, they did lose to TCU. I don't know. Um, I think, you know, what's the easiest path to a, to the Final Four all depends on how you feel about Gonzaga individually. They're a pretty polarizing team. We can talk more about them. Yep. But, okay, so... Yeah, I'm I'm liking KU, although Iowa State, man, don't as we talk about conference tournament momentum. Yeah, you know they, they look fantastic. good. They've been there. Monte Morris, oh man, I I love a good point guard. <laughs> I like and, the thing I like about Monte Morris. One, his assist to turnover ratio is insane. The guy yep. does not turn the ball over, and he's just tough. He's and he always has in there fighting for, for rebounds. Yeah, I, I love that guy. And and Steve Prohm's been here before. He's you know he's been he's been there. He was at uh, was he at Murray State or West? He was at Murray State before, and uh, or was it Western Kentucky? I'm blanking on the my Kentucky mid major team that he coached before. I know he's a he was a manager at Alabama. I do remember that. But 
he uh, he's been in the in the tournament before, so it's not like this is all new to him. He took Iowa State there last year, so yeah, that that is an interesting potential. You know that that could be a, a tough Sweet Sixteen matchup as well. You know, assuming Iowa State can get past Purdue, but the Gonzaga deal, I don't know. I mean, they got they got Arizona, they got Notre Dame, West Virginia. Florida State's Press super Virginia. athletic, super long, and still might lose its oh, first round I'm game against Florida Gulf Coast. Florida, Gulf Coast. Florida, Gulf Coast. Florida State. Everybody's picking them. That's why I'm going to pick Florida State. <laughs> Fair. Fair. Um, yeah, first of all, I want to go back to Oregon really fast. One thing that's interesting about the Ducks is they do have a another JUCO transfer who can fill in for Boucher. Uh, Bixby Williams, I think is his last name. Of course, I'm blanking on it. Of course, this is when everyone yeah, well, starts to trying, go together. You're trying to keep every name in your head <laughs> at once when, and, and then absorb who's playing who in the bracket that just came out right. five minutes ago. But one thing about Oregon, number one, they have the Pac-12 Player of the Year in Dylan Brooks, who all season long has hit really tough shots and has hit a few game winners and just oozes confidence. And then they have, you know, one of the best coaches in the game. I have different feelings on him maybe as a human being, given some off-the-court stuff that's happened. But Dana Altman is a great X's and O's coach. And earlier this year, after Oregon just blitzed Arizona in Eugene, I think it was Dylan Brooks, it might have been Tyler Dorsey, said, you know, if you have paid attention to Oregon, we get so much better throughout the year. We are typically playing our best basketball in March. And I think that's true. Now, I think that Saturday night, they're kind of reeling from the loss of one of their teammates. They come up against a very good Arizona team that wants to beat them and get some revenge. But if Oregon regroups and makes a run, I won't be that surprised. And also, I just have to say, as I'm looking at the bracket, I'm realizing Oregon Creighton, where Dan Holman used to coach, is probably going to happen in the <laughs> second round. So we, we, haven't all, we haven't talked about the South yet. This is where North Carolina wound up the one seed. I'm actually, if, if I'm Duke, maybe I'm happy I didn't get this one seed because it's not what North Carolina is dealing with on its side of the region, but what may come out of the other side of the region yeah. could be nasty. And if you're an NBA Bonk scout, ball. Yeah, it's a if, way of life. Well, if you're an NBA scout, you've got the potential Kentucky UCLA Sweet 16 game circled. Like that's, that's the one you want to go to. And they already played earlier this year. UCLA won yep, at, at Rupp. So, you know, UCLA is playing pretty well. Got knocked out of the Pac-12 tournament by Arizona. How, but how much, how much about, are they going to be? Because so they had their their we can't hit a shot night. That was their game right. against Arizona. Okay, the, the, you get the fu timeout from from Sean Miller at the end, <laughs> uh, which was a response to, to Alfred's fu timeout the last time right. they played. Um, how steamed are they going to be coming to this tournament? Because you know they they not had a, a game where nothing would. I mean, that was the worst case scenario for UCLA. Yeah. Absolute worst case scenario. Oh, I think they're super pissed. I also think that sometimes getting knocked out of the tournament is of your conference tournament is not the worst thing in the world because it's another day to rest your legs. Mm. And it's been a long season. You don't really have nights off. So this is going to be all about what is the you know superstar freshman, Lonzo Ball, what can he do now in the postseason? He's had so much attention, so much fanfare 
all of it legit, minus the fact that his dad thinks he might be better than Steph Curry right now. His dad, I, lo- I love his dad. His dad is, is a joy to hear because he's, he, he's you know just what? one we insane thing. appreciate a good quote. Exactly. And his dad's an interesting guy because he played, he played college basketball and then wound up playing tight end in the NFL. Like, That's, it, yeah. it was, an, you know, it's sort of like a Jimmy Graham type story or a Tony Gonzalez. Well, Tony Gonzalez played both. Jimmy Graham did play a year of football at Miami. But, uh, or an, it's more of an Antonio Gates story, I guess, um, where you just, you just, okay, I'm going to try this and winds up <laughs> in the NFL. So that's the type of athletic genes we're, we're dealing with here with Lonzo Ball. Uh, LeVar, you know, LeVar did all right for himself. And so I, I just, I'm fascinated to see that because I, they've got their terrible shooting game out of their system now. Yeah. And like you said, great shot at playing Kentucky. First of all, if you're a basketball junkie, I think you just love that matchup. Like those are two of the blue bloods. There's so much talent. Like you said, is there a revenge factor for Kentucky? You know, if, you're North Carolina, maybe those two teams beat up on each other maybe. quite a bit in the Sweet 16, and you, again, an opportunity to rest your legs. Like I, That cannot be undervalued well, at this time of, of the year. In terms of watchability factor, if North Carolina gets the Elite Eight and either UCLA or Kentucky is in the Elite Eight opposite them, that will be the most watchable game of the year if you like offense. If you, if you don't like you know, the, the slug it out, bleed the shot clock because you know a lot of teams like to play that now if you're not a purist is what you're saying exactly if If, yeah Mm -hmm. if if you're a casual fan like most of the people who watch the NCAA tournament (laughs) and want to see some points scored that because Kentucky Kentucky now I'm saying this not just because it's you know Roy Williams like to play wide open we know that UCLA plays wide open they don't guard all that well Kentucky on the other hand is doing at this point, and it's just it's a fairly recent development, doing what the best Cal Kentucky teams have done. They are defending really well and starting the break with their defense. Dude, and I think that John Calipari is a coaching wizard. He convinces five to seven, let's call them what they are, egomaniacs, kids exactly. who have been just the number one player on their team for their entire lives. Yeah. yeah, drooled all over since they were 10 years old to buy into the defensive end of the floor. Like, yep. he's a magician. Well, and, and <laughs> I have so much respect for him the, in that regard. The only team that's ever won the national title for him, it wasn't an accident. Anthony Davis didn't care about his stats on the offensive end. He wanted to play good exactly. defense. It all, if, he got good, if he got good shots, if he, if he scored a bunch, that's great, but it wasn't his priority. Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, same thing. So that team cared more about defense than it did about offense. Maybe that's this team too. It, the difference is that team was the same way all year. The only game they lost was a fluky, you know, last second shot against, uh, against Indiana. The, this team had to find its way like most of these all freshman super teams he has do. Right. Okay. Let's talk about the West a little bit. Listen, I am a Gonzaga believer, but I fully accept that that might be only because in the sixth grade I had a huge crush on Richie Fromm, a <laughs> sharpshooter from Vancouver, Washington, who helped them to their first Elite Eight. Now, were you, were, you, um, were you aware, were you watching any college basketball when Casey Calvary hit the tip end to send them to the Elite, elite Eight? 
Um, yes, after Richie went on to the NBA, Casey Calvary was my new crush. Ah, and uh, when I've seen them, because I've spent time up at Gonzaga, uh, I see them sometimes and I get, you know, butterflies yeah. in my stomach. Yeah, no, look, I have a ton of respect for Mark Few. I think that and I think this in football too, and I'm sure you'll agree. People have no idea how hard it is to win. I mean, yes. what what Nick Saban has done at Alabama, yeah, you know what? It's certainly easier to win when you have incredible players. I'm not disputing that. But time and time again to get guys to buy in and well, this, do this all more, the little things. This is more Chris Peterson at Boise State if Boise State actually had a chance to compete for the national title because of conference. I mean, and football is a different animal because – because of Boise State's conference, they can never really compete for the national title. Gonzaga yeah, can. Yeah, although I would, I would push back and say that Gonzaga has had a lot of talent in the last few years, right. some of which has come through the transfer market, yep. and they're very good at recruiting overseas, particularly big men. Yeah. But, yeah, I think they're, there's no doubt in my mind they're going to have to get to the Final Four. I don't want to hear anything about... Oh, BYU beat them. If someone's going to beat you, it should be a team from your conference who yeah, knows who you better than you anyone all the time. else. I, I, exactly. I, I really don't have a problem with that. It, it's funny. We were talking about Casey Calvary earlier. I have my, my 98 Gonzaga story. So I was – or sorry, not, excuse me, 99 Gonzaga story. I was – Come on, 99. I, come I, on. I, it was the 98-99 season. Um, Fair. I was in the Grill Jamaica when they made their, their second weekend run. Uh, I was the sports editor of the school paper at Florida, and so I was not really paying much attention to my duties as sports editor. I had a, a very capable men's basketball writer who was handling it. Um, you see him on TV all the time. His name is Israel Gutierrez. So uh, I, got, I, I would go check my email at, at an internet cafe on the beach uh, maybe every two days. So I, I remember checking my email, and, and Israel was like, hey, can we afford for me to just leave straight from Seattle and go straight to Phoenix and uh, they might wind up playing Gonzaga in the, in the sweet 16. So it, it probably, I'm probably going to have to be there the whole weekend. I'm like, ah, sure. Whatever we could, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll find a way to afford it. So good job. When Calvary hit the tip in, I was, uh, I was not the most heartbroken person in the world because that was uh, one less night of hotel and, and, and meals <laughs> that I was going to have to find a way to pay for. Yeah, well, they've got incredible post players this year. Shemek Karnowski is the best passing big man in college basketball. Um, come back after a redshirt year last season, he messed his back up early in the 2015-16 season and sat out for the year. Um, they have Nigel Williams-Goss, a transfer from Washington. They have Jordan Matthews, who's a transfer from Cal. He was Cal's leading scorer a year ago, because I think he's a graduate transfer. It's hard to keep track of all the transfers yeah, well, also. They, they use the redshirt year better than any any team in basketball. 100%. Because you, you don't hear about redshirts in basketball, usually unless somebody gets hurt preseason of their freshman year. Other than that, it's hardly ever even discussed. But they've done a great job of either using the, the transfer year, like the you know Kyle, when Kyle Wilcher transferred from Kentucky and sort yep. of transformed his body. Uh, Williams Goss, same, same deal when he transferred from Washington. So it, it is pretty amazing. And, and one guy you mentioned who used the redshirt year, now this was because of an injury, was Karnowski. So we're going to leave you with your brackets. And while you pour over your bracket, listen to this interview that Lindsay did with Jim Karnowski one of the best big men in the tournament, and go fill out your bracket. 
we'll, uh, we'll be back to talk to you during the tournament. Okay, here we are at Gonzaga with Shimit Karnowski. Shim, my first question is, what's your middle name? Uh, Marcin, but uh, that's going to be easier for you guys because Marcin Gortat plays in the, in the NBA for the Wizards, and he's the only Polish guy in the NBA right now, uh, so that's my middle name. His first name is my middle name. Gotcha. Okay, but soon you will be in the NBA too. Uh, you're from Poland. Family's still over there? Uh, yeah, they live there, but they're actually visiting here right now. They they came here uh, probably like um, a few days ago. They went to the Thursday game. They went to they went to the game today. They're gonna stay over uh, for senior night, and then they gonna go to Vegas for the WCC tournament. So they do not speak English, correct? Uh, my mom doesn't speak English. My dad uh, does, you know, a little bit. He he he's pretty good. He when he gets here, he uh, you know he needs uh, probably like a week, week uh, and a half to to you know get the rust off and and get going. So how many languages do you speak? Uh, I speak Polish, uh, I speak English, and I speak a little bit of German, but don't call, don't don't count on my German when we go to Germany. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been around here for a long time. You're getting ready to pass career wins, uh, pass Shane Battier, and be the NCAA all-time leader. So what's it like right now on this undefeated ride? Can you even describe it or put it into words? I mean, I can describe it. It's fun, you know. Like, but uh, but just being around uh, with these guys, you know, I've been uh, I've been in this program for five years, and uh, you know, the the first uh, the first time I got on campus, you know, the right away I seen I saw that this program is about winning and. You know that's uh, that's why I, why, I, why I basically came here. You know, and uh, the the last five years uh, for me personally, for me basketball wise, were amazing. You know, with uh, such a support from everyone at Spokane community, Gonzaga community, from my my teammates, my coaches. You know, everyone, academic advisors. You know, all these people work uh, work hard for us to help to help us to to you know to get us. Uh, guys good on and off the floor so i think that's really important and uh you know it's been it's been a, it's been a really fun ride this season especially uh we haven't lost yet but at the same time we just got to take it one game at a time and and keep improving week by week and get ready for for our tournaments coach few has said that he thinks one of the most appealing things about gonzaga for recruits and then especially for transfers is you guys are really really tight part of that is the community here everyone is about gonzaga basketball but this team is especially Kind of weirdly tight. I've heard some interesting stories. What are the stories? Well, number one, that a strange group of you are uh, addicted to Vampire Diaries. <laughs> yeah, not me, not me. Don't come <laughs> in that group. Don't come in that group. Okay, but the other thing I heard was you guys just love to hang out all the time. All of you, it including some... I heard a story about the Super Bowl. Everyone went over to someone's house to watch the game, and this person their heat wasn't working so you were all bundled up in <laughs> yeah. all your winter jackets yeah yeah so yeah I, I mean yeah that's the story everyone was everyone was cold so no one even uh, took their uh, jackets off but yeah i think i think uh you know every single year the five years i've been here it's been uh, we've been tied and we've been really close but uh this uh this year especially you know we uh we talked about it in the preseason when we were getting ready for for the season during our workouts and you know when we you know, when you spend long spend long hours in the gym uh, working uh, before the season and we did uh, we, we did like a team retreat we went out to Idaho to uh, 
you know to uh kind of do like uh stay in the woods uh you know sleep stay in the, in the woods stay what the, was that like stay in the woods <laughs> we stayed the, we stay in the woods uh over the night you know we kind of uh, we're, we're dividing the teams and kind of like uh, st- it was kind of like starting fire, kind of survival kind of thing. And it was it was oh. really interesting. I thought I thought that uh, helped us a lot to kind of gel together from the beginning. You know, like you said, there's a lot of transfers, uh, freshmen on the team, and I think that really helped us a lot. And just off the court, we just we just like to spend time with each other. You know, we spend time a lot during practices and during workouts, lifts. Uh, traveling together everywhere, you know, so so you, you could think that we have enough of each other, but, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, I still, I'm finished with practice, I'm still um, going to go out to, to dinner with all of these guys, hang out, you know, play some FIFA or, or just hang out and talk, talk about nothing. So what was that like uh, in the woods? Who was the best outdoorsman? Who was uh, the worst and the most scared? Uh, there's a uh, there's a lot of guys that didn't like outdoor that are not outdoorsy. But uh, where you know, are you on the spectrum? Uh, I would say probably uh, higher middle. You know, I I don't mind being outdoorsy. I like fishing a lot. You know, so I whenever I have a I have a chance, I, I will go fish. But uh, you know the. The, the the guys didn't like when uh, we were in the tents and you could hear the the animals outside and stuff like that. So, so who was know, the most scared? I don't. I, it was so long ago. You know, I don't even. Remember, I don't want to call the names right now and then I'll be <laughs> wrong. So, uh, so I'm not gonna say who. But you know, there uh, there were some guys that did, didn't like that at all. But uh, you know, I thought I thought it was a great lesson for us to just kind of get together and and you know talk about what we're gonna do this season and. I thought I thought like I said that really helped us and look where we are right now. We, but we still have a lot of work to do. Coach View talks all the time about leadership, and this program has had a lot of great leaders. Kevin Pangos was your roommate, right? He was obviously a great leader. You have now become a great leader for this program. What did you learn from Pangos? I mean, uh, me and Kevin uh, met for the first time in 2010 in German- Germany during uh, World Championships Under 17. Then we uh, played together on the same team, on the world team, and the Nike Hoop Summit in Portland the next day, the next year. So that's I, how I kind of got to know Kevin, and right away I saw, you know, he's a he's just a, such an outgoing guy, such a nice guy, and I think uh, right away I thought, wow, Kevin would be a great leader. And then when uh, you know Gonzaga started recruiting me, uh, Kevin came here the year before, uh, so he was already playing here. They, they were still recruiting me. When I uh, got here on my visit, Kevin was my host. You know, he took uh, great care of me, and uh, I thought I thought that's gonna be a great place for me to come here. And you know, Kevin was playing right away, so you could see uh, him being a leader even uh, as a freshman, as a sophomore. You know, and then he was just getting better. And he just has, he has such a great personality. You know, everyone respected him in the locker room. I thought uh, his approach to to coaches and players was great. And uh, you know, I tried to I tried to uh, learn some 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 from him some from other guys you know like Kelly came back uh, today and you know all these guys that uh, when I first got here they were older than me and uh, more experienced so I just tried to look up to him look up to them and you know uh, pass that tradition the Gonzaga tradition to to other guys right now. You were hurt last year you got hurt there was so much hype in the preseason about you Sabonis and Wilcher how could anyone compete with that then you hurt your back how bored were you sitting on the sideline? Did you were you able to learn 
get better uh, or did you just hate it i mean uh you know it was just it was a it was a hard time for sure for me and uh just the the month of december uh in 2015 was uh, was a was a bad month for me could because uh you know i hurt my back but on the other hand i just didn't know what i could do to get better so that was that was just kind of frustrating but then i was just praying to not to not have surgery but that was the only way to go so uh you know i decided to have surgery the next day and you know i'm just really happy with the uh, what a great work the doctors did and uh, the rehab people uh even outside gonzaga here at gonzaga all the trainers helped me you know so uh you know i always uh, I, w- I will always appreciate that and you know then uh then it was uh, it was just rehab process, you know. I was uh, I was hooked to the IV for two months. I had another machine on my leg for two months uh, to heal up. So uh, I didn't start traveling with the, with the team uh, until like the last game of the season or the WCC tournament. But you know, I was just uh, trying to be there for guys uh, when I could after the surgery, help them out because uh, you know they. Uh, they, uh, I wasn't playing, but at the same time, you know, I tried to encourage them and and get them going because uh, even without me, they still uh, they still managed to have a great season. So you're a big guy, seven one, three hundred pounds. Yeah, that close to close to that, close to that. Um, that surgery is tough on anyone's body. How did you get back in shape? Did you lose a lot of weight when you were under surgery? Did you? gain a lot of weight how did that uh, work yeah i mean uh they ordered the biggest parts they had to put in my body in my surgery <laughs> but <laughs> an uh, extra long surgery table. yeah exactly <laughs> exactly but uh but you know when i when i was hurting during the december i lost uh between 16 60 to 70 pounds in the less than a month so you know it was uh, it was a struggle because uh you know the, it was just uh really bad on my body and uh, I didn't have appetite to eat and then after the surgery I was uh, I was able to to gain my weight weight back and uh, get better and you know that was one of the keys for for the for the doctors to to just uh, get my regular weight back and you know be able to function but uh, there there's a there's a lot of stuff that was going on in that month uh, when I was hurting and then probably a month after the surgery. So I just I just had to watch out with all the medicine I was taking. So at what point this summer or this preseason did you realize, man, we're going to be pretty good? You finally get these transfers that are playing. Zach Collins comes in. What's it like to play with him on the floor? Uh, do you just love it? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go back to the beginning of the question, then I'll answer that. But uh you know, when uh, when I started going after the surgery, it was probably uh, middle of July when I came back from uh, from Poland and went to see the doctor. And then that's when I got cleared to start playing basketball again. And not really uh, with the contact, but just running, jumping, moving, you know, twisting and stuff like that. Uh, so that was, a, that was a huge step for me. Then I saw uh, guys play pickup uh, during the summer and then... You know, I, I started going, uh, started playing a little bit more, more with contact. You know, and the the summer, the summer, uh, the summer ball was, you know, every, basically five good players going against five really good players. You know, like so it was basically other team going against the other team, but all these guys were on the same team at the end of the day. Now during the season, so uh, you know, I thought we we're we're, we're gonna be good, but uh, you know, I was I was questioning uh, how how tight we can be, how well we can uh, function as a team, and like uh, I mentioned before, it was it was a great idea from the coaches and from the from the players to kind of do that uh, team spirit, team activities that uh, you know we could kind of manage to 
get to know each other a lot uh, outside of basketball and basically basically what people we are and what we stand for but also you know you you learn uh, a lot about people uh, during uh, during the basketball games when the emotions get the, the best out of them